Explorable is a podcast about travel, disability, and inclusion. I'm Josh Loebner, Director of Strategy at Design Sensory. I'm co-host Toby Willis, Senior Product Manager for Inclusive Technology and President of the Ability Inclusion Movement at Expedia Group. We're both blind. And we love everything travel. This is Explorable. We interview experts, advocates, and allies of tourism, destinations, and disability to make each journey more explorable. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Explorable Podcast. We couldn't be more thrilled to be talking today, not only about universal design to find out what it is and why it matters, but how it connects to travel. Today, we're joined on the Explorable Podcast, of course, with my co-host, Toby. Toby, how you doing? Doing all right, Josh. Hi, Rosemary. Well, hi. How are you, Toby? Doing well. Good to see you again, as always. Hey, today on the show, we've got Rosemary Rossetti, PhD, Rosemary is a powerful, internationally known speaker, trainer, consultant, author, and publisher focusing on universal design. Some of you might not know what that means, but we're going to dive in a little bit more about what that is and why it matters. She's the author of Universal Design Toolkit, and that provides resources, solutions, and guidance for making homes accessible. She built a national demonstration home and garden in Columbus, Ohio, and built the Universal Design Living Laboratory. This is the highest rated universal design home in North America. That is impressive. Uh, it earned the Universal Design National Certifications, and her articles about designing homes have appeared in Ultimate Home Design, 50 Plus Magazine, PN Magazine, Special Living Magazine, Columbus Monthly, and Ability Magazine. Her presentations and continuing education classes for professionals and consumers help people integrate universal design, accessible design, and green building features. Rosemary is paralyzed from the waist down with a spinal cord injury. And, and Rosemary, I'm going to start out with a couple of uh, questions, really, that kind of connect back to travel and, and because we're in these COVID times. Uh, first, welcome to the show, but before we dive into deeper conversations about universal design, tell us where was the last place you traveled before the pandemic and, and where you're headed next? Well, professionally, the last place I traveled by plane um, as a professional speaker was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, I was speaking on February 18th to the Meeting Professionals International Michigan chapter, and my topic to them was how to accommodate people with disabilities at meetings and events. And it was very well received. I flew home and that was my last trip as a professional speaker. I had, I think, five presentations that were either canceled or were made virtual for the month of May. So I was really looking forward to a lot of work um, in May of this year that did not happen in person, but. Virtually, some of them were totally successful, even more so than they would have been with a larger attendance had they been in person. And, and where you're headed to next? I'm excited. I just received word after a long wait that the Meeting Professionals International in North Florida 
are actually holding their in-person meeting on September 4th, and they've invited me to speak. And it's again on accommodating people with disabilities at meetings and events, but now it's being expanded to also the virtual meetings and events. So I get to talk to them about what they need to be doing um, that they aren't doing in terms of servicing those who have vision problems and hearing problems. That is something that everybody needs to focus on now for sure. It's, it's not just that physical space, but, but the virtual space as well. Yeah, it's a good point. In the, in the COVID world, this is such a relevant topic and looking forward to working with Rosemarie to make our uh, Travelability Summit the first virtual, full virtual event this November uh, more inclusive. And on that note, um, can we back up a little bit maybe? And, and Rosemarie, we heard uh, Josh's introduction about your professional qualifications. And I know a little bit, you know, from working with you through Expedia Group and your relationship with uh, our Verbo brand, but curious if you could just walk us through your background a little bit more and tell us how you got here. And um, if you feel comfortable sharing, you know, a, a little bit more about your disability and your experience with disability. Yes. Um, professionally, um, I'm educated at the Ohio State University. I have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a PhD. My bachelor's was a uh, dual major with agricultural education and horticulture. All my graduate work was in agricultural education. I taught horticulture at a career college for three years at the high school level. And um, I've also been on the faculty at Ohio State University for 11 years full time. When I was there on the faculty, I taught public speaking classes, marketing classes, as well as um, teaching methodology classes. I left the university in 1997 to start my business, Rosetti Enterprises. I was doing train the trainer programs and presentation skill training throughout North America. Life was grand. I had left the university Everything was fine. A year and a half later, I was celebrating my third wedding anniversary with my husband, Mark. We went for a bicycle ride on a beautiful Saturday. This was June the 13th of 1998, the day that changed my life forever. Uh, while we were riding, my husband heard what he thought was a gunshot, but it wasn't a gunshot at all. It was the sound of a large tree that was halfway to the ground. And in an instant, I was crushed by a 7,000 pound tree and paralyzed from the waist down. So that's the turning point in terms of, I was not trained in design of homes. I had no knowledge of universal design or accessible design. And suddenly I come home from the hospital in the summer of 98 in a wheelchair. And what a rude awakening to realize the home that we had built when we were first married is now intensifying my disability. You know, that, I think that's something that uh, both regardless of, of whether somebody has an injury uh, and is, is immediately uh, facing disability and, and certain uh, challenges when it comes to mobility or, or those potentially who've always had a disability, there's questions about where to turn when it comes to accessibility. And of course, there there's a lot of opportunities and guidance out there, but you were one of the first to really kind of based on your disability, think about universal design, both not only personally, but professionally. 
I'd love for you, Rosemary, to tell us how you define universal design. And then a follow-up question, how does that connect back to travel and tourism? Well, if I could give a quote from what is the definition of universal design, um, the, the term was coined by Ron Mace, an architect who had polio and used a wheelchair. And he assembled a group of fellow design professionals to create the idea of universal design in the mid-1980s. Now, historically, the Americans with Disabilities Act was not signed until 1990. So universal design came before, and it really is more than ADA. It is looking at uh, the definition as the design of products and environments to be usable by all people to the greatest extent possible without the need for adaptation or specialized design. What's important about that, it has nothing to do with people with disabilities as an exclusive definition. It's usable by all people, people who have no disabilities, people who are seated, who are standing, who are vision impaired, who are fully able to see, people who are 6'4", or 4-1, people who are three years old versus 103 years old. So it's about designing the environment as well as the products that are used, like your cell phone. I mean, there's a great example of uh, wonderful universal design features in cell phone design. So it's a framework, it's a thought process, it's inclusive design. It is not equal to ADA. I wanna make sure people understand that. And then from a, just as a follow-up from a travel and tourism perspective, you know, we, we of course, um, know so many different venues, whether it's on a cruise ship to an airplane to, uh, of course, homes when it comes to short-term home rentals can in some way, shape, or form be more accessible and potentially bring in universal design. Um, what are your thoughts for people in travel and tourism if they have questions about universal design. Of course, you have a toolkit. Uh, what, what, what do you say to them as to, to, to help kind of bring them down that path of understanding? Well, every aspect of travel and tourism needs to have universal design as the mindset to be inclusive and to think in terms of, um, can everyone use this equally? So it's about the spaces, it's about the products there. Um, there's a lot of features in all areas of tourism as we embark upon a cruise ship. Can we get on that cruise ship? As we go down the hallways of a cruise ship, what's the carpeting like? What are the widths of those hallways? As we approach the door to our suite, uh, many times there's a lip there in order to get into the suite. Well, that doesn't work out so well. Um, the shower design in any hotel to what extent there's even a small lip. It doesn't matter if it's only two inches. It's an impediment for someone in a wheelchair. So we're looking at a lot of avenues of travel and tourism in terms of airport design, in terms of airplane design, in terms of taxi design and transportation for public use, as well as the restaurant accessibility. Hey, Rosemary, I know you and I have talked about this a lot and Josh understands deeply many of our listeners who live with disabilities or some sort of accessibility need or limitation, whether they identify with the disability community or not. We, we understand that this is the right thing to do. It's simply 
our social responsibility as citizens and businesses to include everyone. But sometimes that's not enough to sell people on the idea that they need to lean in and learn and actually execute on this stuff. So can we compel people with a business case for uh, inclusive design or universal design? There's a huge business case. Everyone wants to be selling products or services and making profit. Uh, so let's take a look at the population of people with disabilities. The Center for Disease Control just came out this year with their estimate. There are 61 million adults in the United States that live with a disability. That's 26% of the population. Do you realize this is the largest minority in the United States? And as people grow, they will grow older and acquire a disability if they live long enough. The data also shows that there are 13.7% with mobility disabilities in terms of serious difficulty walking or climbing the stairs. That impacts the design of public spaces as well as rentals, as well as residential. And then we have the cognitive disabilities, 10.8%. Difficulty concentrating or remembering or making decisions. The hearing impaired, 5.9% with deafness or serious difficulty hearing. And then you're very familiar as vision impaired, that's 4.6% of the population. Mm -hmm. And I always like to point out that these these are U.S. numbers, but this rings true around the globe. And for those of us who travel internationally and work in the travel industry on a global scale, for those listeners, we, we want to uh, point out that, the, that there's about 1.3 billion uh, worldwide people with disabilities estimated by the World Health Organization. And um, uh, it's estimated that we're spending $95 billion a year on travel. So this, these are very significant and real uh, business opportunities. That, yeah, that's definitely, those numbers are so impactful. And, and for whatever reason, those numbers somehow don't come across the desk of, of a lot of people oftentimes in travel and tourism, but it's great to hear them uh, shouted out here, whether it's in the U.S. or internationally, there are a lot of people with disabilities that, that want to travel and that have dollars to spend. And, and so, so I just want to go back and kind of reiterate the, the question about where do we start when it comes to universal design? And, and, and of course, Rosemary, you know, your journey started when you became disabled and when you went to your house and saw that there were impediments or challenges, whether it was the carpet or, or width of hallways or any other uh, challenge, and you were able to overcome those and you have this amazing toolkit. I, I want to make sure that we can reinforce where people can go, uh, whether it's connecting with you or in some other capacity to really start to understand the value of universal design. Um, whether it's a corporation or whether it's, you know, somebody as an individual that has a home that wants to put it on the short-term rental market, what would be the, the one of the first things that they need to understand and do when it comes to universal design? Well, it's depending if it's a remodel or if it's a new build or if it's just something they need to do as a home modification. So there's various degrees of modifying a home with some universal design, especially for safety. 
as we look at tripping hazards and we look at how we can put in more grab bars in the bathroom area and we look at uh, changing the entrance to the home so that it is step free. So there's some simple things that can be done with um, hiring a subcontractor, a carpenter or a plumber to help you put in some of these safety features to prevent falls. But then on a larger scale, if you're looking at remodeling or building a new, you need to hire the right design professionals, the architects, the engineers, the interior designers who were trained and are experienced in creating homes that are livable for a lifetime with these inclusive design features. And then getting input from people with disabilities to review those plans. If you're building a new hotel, you should have a committee that's helping you to look at the mock-up of these rooms to be on those planning committees and see what your plans include for the entrance, for the reception area, for registration, for the swimming pool, for the locker room, for the restaurant, for the shower. The entire facility needs to be looked at as a whole unit. I, I think that's great. And just to, yeah, as a, as a quick follow-up, you know, Explorable as a podcast, and I've shared this before, Explorable as a podcast isn't just about that far-flung destination, but you know, right now in COVID, we're t- taking a lot of staycations. And what are the ways that we can make sure whether it's the home that we live in or that place that we want to recreate so far away once once the pandemic uh, goes away, that, that it is accessible and that there is some type of universal design thinking. Yeah, one of the things I've learned from Rosemarie, I think is really compelling is, is there's like no cost things that homeowners can do to make their vacation rentals more accessible. And then things that we can do ourselves as handy people, if we are, um, like putting lever locks on instead of doorknobs. You know, these are really low cost things that we can do to, um, you know, make the home more accessible. Do you have any uh, low cost or no cost things, Rosemary, like that you want to throw out there to people that they can do right away? A really simple one. If you go to your local hardware store and ask for a swing away hinge. Mm -hmm. These are replacing the door hinges on your existing doors. You can put those on and get from two to five more inches out of that door width, which would make it accessible um, on the exterior doors as well as interior doors. That means the difference between using that other bedroom or getting into that bathroom with a walker, a scooter, or a wheelchair. So that's a real simple fix for maybe 20 to $50 of an investment. Right. A few minutes and a screwdriver and most homeowners can switch those hinges out. And that you mentioned the two to five inch gain that those swing away hinges might get one. And it made me think that information sharing is half the battle. If, if you know, Rosemary as a traveler, how wide that door is, then uh, you can make a a better uh, travel decision a free or no cost thing that people can do is just take better pictures of the property. Right. And, you know, share what those measurements are. Well, I stay in hotels quite a bit. And when I make the reservation, I always tell them I'm in a a manual wheelchair. I want a wheelchair accessible room with a roll in shower. So those are my parameters with that. um, I talk to them about the the door clearances and um, hand, that they need a hand shower, they need some type of bench in that shower, and it should not have a curb, it should be curbless. So those are my requirements. 
Sometimes I'm going online to make that reservation. So it's pretty clear to me when I'm going online, they've described that room in great detail and I'll make that reservation. I always arrive early though, because things happen and I go into the room that they had assigned me to and I go, what were you thinking here? I remember one in Florida, I had uh, a luggage handler following me into the room and he opened the door and the bed was right there at the entrance. I could not even get into the room because the door would not open due to the bed being there. And I looked at him and I said, are you sure we have the right room? This is your wheelchair accessible room, is that right? And he said, I think I better call at the front desk and see what happened. Mm -hmm. Do you find that people are uh, maybe reluctant to get started down the universal design road because uh, there's fear, you know, we've talked about cost, but uh, there's fear that it's ugly or it's makes a room or a property less appealing to other people. You mentioned the bench in the shower and that made me think about <clears throat> that's, you know, you can go on, uh, um, well, I can't think of the, the website now, but yeah, I'm sure Amazon, even anyone has these like fancy sort of, you know, beautiful mahogany or whatever kind of bench that you can put in the shower. Um, and that makes me think that there are beautiful ways to, to build universal design. Yeah, that was uh, our intent here at the Universal Design Living Laboratory. That's my home here in Columbus, Ohio. Anyone that wants to see it, we have a virtual tour and a video tour. And you can go look at our showers. You can look at our kitchen. And I, and I, I hope that you come away saying, this was a beautiful luxury contemporary home that I wasn't aware had all these universal design features. Um, so those products are out there and we had a lot of um, discussion in selecting the products to make sure that it did not look institutional. Uh, we've talked about uh, some, you know, free and low cost and, and some more durable ways that uh, homeowners and, and tour operators and hoteliers can make their property more accessible. So tell us how, if folks are inspired uh, to, to start this journey, how they can get in touch with you and learn more about the work that you're doing and leverage uh, your experience and resources that you have available. What's well, easy, just hop on my website, which is the four initials for the Universal Design Living Laboratory. So it's just udll.com. So just hop on our website. I have over a hundred articles. Most of them I've written. Um, our most recent one was in Forbes on the anniversary of the ADA. They featured our home. I'm also featured in Architectural Digest. So you can reach me um, by any method, if you prefer phone, if you prefer email or LinkedIn. I'm in LinkedIn. It's Rosemarie Rosetti, R-O-S-E-M-A-R-I-E. R-O-S-S-E-T-T-I. That's my LinkedIn. And uh, email is just rosemarie at rosemariespeaks.com. Um, my other website is rosemariespeaks.com, which is my speaking and consulting business. So I actually am going to have a bonus for anyone who would like a free chapter of the Universal Design Toolkit. Just go to udll.com and you can download the free chapter and use that as a guide when you take the tour because it's a list of the universal design features in our home room by room. So it's fun to um, 
use that as you're going through on your own to see each of these features. Now I have a little game you can play if you'd like to. As you're taking the virtual tour, look for the little orange tabby cat. Her name is Kiko. <laughs> she was our photo bomber during this photography shoot of over 700 photos. So you'll see our cat in many of the rooms kind of in the background. Oh, and Kiko. Oh, that's that's great. awesome. And I strongly encourage all of our listeners to take advantage of Rosemary's offer. She's wonderful to work with. She's brilliant and, and so open and honest and sharing. Um, so reach out, uh, learn, lean in and learn and, um, start designing with everyone in mind. Rosemary, I hope people uh, start to connect with you sooner than later and find out everything that Universal Design has to be able to impact positively disability, travel, and how to make everything more explorable. Thanks so much. Explorable is a Design Century original production in collaboration with the Travelability Summit and produced by Brad Carpenter. Find out more about our productions, podcasts, and insights at designcentury.com slash originals and travelabilitysummit.com. You can connect with Josh Loebner or myself, Toby Willis, on LinkedIn.